So sometimes you just have to laugh, right? Can, can I hear you laugh? Can I hear you laugh? I mean, this, this is a this is a extremely funny story, I think, in the Bible. <sighs> and sometimes when we encounter life, we don't need to say, uh, "No way, that can't possibly happen." We just need to laugh, right? And sometimes, instead of saying amen in the church, we just need to laugh. Today, I hope you'll laugh just a little bit with me in this message. So I want you to imagine, you've reached a certain age. We won't say what that number is, but you've reached a certain age, and you're moving into assisted living. And you're paring down all your stuff. You're getting rid of furniture and things and all these decisions to make. And just as you're moving... God comes to you and says, now, as you go into assisted living, one thing I don't want you to throw away is your baby crib. <laughs> it's, it's funny stuff. Um, or imagine this, that uh, at this certain age, your favorite group is AARP, and God comes and says to you, well, pretty soon you're going to be joining the PTA. <laughs> I was visiting with a church member recently, and she was saying to me, you know, this church gets really serious sometimes. They just get real, we debate things, we get deliberate, and we're very rational and reasonable. And she said, I, I really miss the laughter. Isn't that good for us? Smile, people. I mean, just uh, possibilities open up. God's possibilities when, when we hear God's promises and we kind of laugh. How can that possibly be? So here we have this, uh, I started to say an odd couple, but they're an old couple. <laughs> um, Abraham and Sarai, and uh, God says to them, you're going to have a baby. Now, some of us wouldn't laugh at that. We would cry <laughs> to, uh, at that age. Uh, but God had promised them, if you read a little bit before these chapters we have in our uh, scripture lesson this day. God had promised them that they would have many descendants. God said, there are going to be so many descendants, you can't count them. They're going to be like the stars in the sky. Go outside, try to count the stars, God said. God said, go to the beach and try to count the grains of sand on the beach. That's how many descendants you're going to have. But for Abraham and Sarai... They were saying, the sands of time are just about gone in this hourglass. How can this promise possibly be? God promises them a future, and they laugh. It's ridiculous. There's this fragile thread of fertility in the Old Testament. Can, have you read the book? Have you, have you seen how many? You say, how can this promise possibly be lived out? And I know some of you, it's not been very happy in your lives, right? You've had a lot of time conceiving and bearing children. Can I tell you a story at this point? Is that right? You know how I like to tell stories. Okay, true story. There's this couple I knew in Dallas, Texas, and they were having trouble having a, a child. And uh, they kept trying, and they did all of the invertible, you know, in, what is it, IVR, in vitro, yeah, thank you all, you're, you're good, you're helping me out here, so, you know, did all, the, you know, doctors and thousands of dollars and all the techniques and planting of eggs and just, you know, very involved, and, and they got older and older, and they, they finally said, we're not going to be able to have children on our own, and they made peace in their hearts, they prayed through it, and they said, we'll, we'll adopt, 
And so they were talking with their, uh, their person from the adoption agency, and after all this time they said, well, since we've waited so long, can we possibly adopt a set of twins? And they said, well, we don't get a lot of twins, but yeah, you know, the first set of twins that come up, y'all are wonderful candidates, and uh, we'll, you, you're at the top of the list. They waited more years, and no twins came along. One day, their person from the adoption agency called and said, look, we have this beautiful little girl here, and I, I know you wanted twins, but just come down. And They came down, they looked at the little girl, and their hearts were just slayed, and they, of course, they went through with it. They adopted this little girl. Two weeks later, the adoption agency called them. You're not going to believe this. We have a set of twins that have come in. I know we just, you know, we waited all this time, and I know you have this beautiful little girl, but we, uh, would you consider adopting this, this set of twins? They went in, they looked at the set of twins. Of course, their hearts were won over. They adopted this set of twins. Little did they know that when they adopted that set of twins, she was pregnant. She was pregnant. <laughs> and nine months later, she gave birth to twins. <laughs> And in the space of a year, they went from zero children to five children. You just have to laugh. Sometimes. I am not making this up. You read our Bible story, and you can't believe it sometimes. It just seems so ridiculous, so far-fetched. And you just laugh. The Hebrew children have been captured. They've been in bondage for hundreds of years in Egypt. And God finally sets them free. And they hit a wall. They hit the Red Sea. And you, they go, God, this how are we going to get out of this? And uh, Moses lifts up the staff, you know, and the sea parts. And you say, oh, you know, there's scientific explanations. And there was a mighty wind or earthquake or something like that. But doesn't God still make a way where there seems to be no way? Huh? I mean, I, I look at uh, places like South Africa, and you go, this can't possibly reconcile the races there, and then God raises up a Nelson Mandela, and people start reconciling. Right, here in the United States, God raises up a Martin Luther King Jr., and people start reconciling. You know, God makes a way. You, you hit a wall, and you say, this promise can't possibly be true, and you just have to laugh. Sometimes at the ways of God. The Hebrew children, they enter the promised land, and there's people there. <laughs> Who thought about that? You know, uh, it's already occupied. What are we going to do about that? And they reach this little town called Jericho with its high walls. And you know the song, God, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. And he always, what a silly story, you know, the people marching around and blowing trumpets and stuff and the walls crumbling down. But you know, in my own lifetime, I've seen an iron curtain fall. Never thought that would happen between East Germany and West Germany. How did that happen? People praying, people worshiping, people believing in a promise. And it just seems silly sometimes. Ridiculous, the promises of God. And there's all these healing miracles in the Bible, right? 
And I look around, uh, Jerry had quadruple bypass surgery on Monday, and stuff that used to got used to be written up in the paper because the front page news about healings has now become commonplace. Yeah, it's still serious. It's still vulnerable and risky and all. But I mean, how many healings are there going on all around us that we don't even see as miracles anymore that God is working in our lives? Just all kinds of therapies and, and drugs and just amazing. God promises a future. And here's one that we're aiming at at the end of Lent. God raises Jesus from the dead. And we go, how does that happen? Some people have declared that the mainline churches are dead. Churches like the United Methodist Church and Presbyterians and United Church of Christ and all this. But, you know, I look around and I see uh, young people joining uh, house churches and doing hands-on ministry and uh, saying, I, I want to get involved with human trafficking and, and, and I don't want to just have the rational thinking out faith. I want to do, make some difference in the world. And, and, and how can I do that? And, and, and the church institution, the organization, we, we don't always handle that so well. All these people out here being entrepreneurs of the Spirit and creating things and kind of going back to the first century Christianity when, you know, they met in people's homes and they studied the Bible and they broke bread together. And maybe, maybe God is still laughing <laughs> and uh, breaking through in ways we have not thought about yet. It seems we need to be convinced. In this 17th chapter of Genesis, there's a word that's used 13 times. It's the word covenant. God keeps coming back to Abraham and Sarah and saying, please believe me, I got your future. I'm the God of your past. I'm the God of your future. I have this for you. God seems to, is that true in your life that God has to keep coming to you and urging you to believe this? That God holds a future for you? How does God do this? Uh, God has promises for us. And God says, I have another name for you. That's how God changes our future. God has another name for us. My younger brother David, next younger brother David, two years younger than I, he wore a, a shirt to school when we were kids. It had 007 on it. You remember with the first of those movies, Ian Fleming and came out with those spy series? He wore that shirt to school, 007, and one kid on the playground came up to him and said, I didn't know James Bond was fat. Ouch. People have such ugly names for us, you know? And sometimes we believe them. And it hurts, doesn't it? And God says, no, I have another name for you. Beloved child. You have a future in me. Don't, don't just listen to what other people say. Stupid, slow, how many pejorative terms? I mean, we just have a whole dictionary of it, right? And sometimes we get to believe them. Not good enough, addict, abused. And God says over and over, no, I have another name for you. 
In this story, God says to Abram, no longer is your name Abram, which is a pretty good name. Mighty father. He said, uh, you're going to be Abraham, father of a multitude. And Sarah is a pretty good name, princess. I read the Jewish commentaries. She's princess of her people. When she, her name becomes Sarah, it's princess of all people. God has another name for you. Pause just a moment. What are some of those ugly names that you have heard? Yeah. This God has another name for you. And you can smile, you can laugh at that name. Such a freedom it is that God has for us. It's so powerful because God opens up a whole nother future with this new name. This is what God does. God says, in the face of all the facts and other information you have about yourself and this world, let me tell you my name. And God says, I am El Shaddai. That's the Hebrew here. I am God Almighty. And that's all that matters here. Doesn't matter what other people have called you or what you believe about yourself. All that matters is that you hear my name. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. And that opens up a whole different future for us. I had a great quote I had this past week. Some uh, really smart person said, Faith is believing in God's ability to keep a promise. That's El Shaddai, God Almighty. And Abraham and Sarah, nine months later, they have a baby. (laughs) Hundred years old and ninety years old. (laughs) And you know what they named their baby? Isaac. You know what his name means? Laughter. Sometimes you just have to laugh. That's the good news I have to share with you this day. Amen.